0: Hey, what's good, everybody? This is Afiz from The Roommates, and I want to let you guys know that this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community with thousands of amazing classes covering dozens of creative and entrepreneurial skills. You can take classes in everything from photography and creative writing to design, productivity, and more. So whether you're returning to a long-time passion project, challenging yourself to get outside your comfort zone, or simply exploring something new, Skillshare has classes for you. And as we've been telling you guys all throughout the podcast, man, in 2019, going into 2020, you guys got to continue to develop your skills. You got to continue to develop your resources, especially if you want to be able to make money, start a family, continue to build wealth, all things that we're talking about in this upcoming episode. So make sure you guys go on Skillshare. You get more resources, you get more tools, make a lot of money. Skillshare has so many classes. You guys will love it. So, guys, go ahead and join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for the roommates family. So that is two free months of Skillshare Premium. Yes, indeedy, Skillshare is offering roommates family two months of unlimited access access, thousands of classes for free. So to sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash roommates. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash roommates. Start your two free months now. That's Skillshare.com slash roommates. And let's start the
1: show. This week on a roommates podcast because i would think about my dad i would think about my mom i would think about the journey i would think about my dad's heart attack me being i and, and like this tears come down like you don't even know the fire that puts in my in myself and you got to realize this is a guy that was great at partying I'm the guy that if you partied with me at 20 years old, you got laid. Because, <laughs> and I'm not, I'm yeah, not yeah, trying yeah. To, We would go and afterwards you're going home with somebody. Because yeah. everybody would go home together with a group and we'd go to a hotel room and everybody... Our entourage? We all had a great time. We ran and we did good. And and women loved us and they wanted to be around us because we were funny, like when the whole stand-up, all this other stuff, it was a lot of humor, it was a lot of sarcasm, it was a lot of jokes, it was a lot of wittiness. So it was fun to be around us. We knew how to dance, we had good bodies, we had physiques, we were military uniform, all this stuff. But that guy one day saw his dad almost die. Mm. And when that happened, it's game over. And accidentally, I got into the financial industry. So now, who am I to say, I think it's time for you to give up your delusional? I don't know what you're thinking about. Yeah. I don't know what's on your mind. I don't know what's on your heart. I don't know what you think about going to sleep. I don't know what you're obsessed about. I don't know what things happen in your life where, like, listen, man, you don't understand. This is going to become a reality. Yo, what's good?
0: Welcome to the Roommates, a worldwide community of individuals united on the values of becoming holistic health, kindness, togetherness, and a thirst for knowledge. Also known as the best hour of your week, where you are entertained like a stand-up, educated like a TED Talk, and enlightened like a sermon. And guys, I understand, I understand that Christopher Jordan Belo is not here. I apologize, I know how much it breaks your heart. I miss him too, but I am in Dallas, Texas. And I came all the way here because I wanted to get one of the best entrepreneurs in the business. I wanted to get somebody who will give you so much value, who has so much wisdom, and also likes to have fun like I do. (laughs) Please, guys, welcome to the show, the one, the only, Patrick, Matt, David. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Anytime, brother. It's good to be on. Thank you thank you so much. So tell me much. that
1: again so it was so entertain like a stand up, enlighten like a TED
0: talk. So entertainment like a stand up, okay. educational like a TED talk and enlightenment like a sermon.
1: I love that. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. sick. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. you guys came up with that. Yes sir, That's yes so sir, I'm yes sir. Like it. So for the
0: people who don't know who yeah. you are, can you give us a bit of an elevator pitch synopsis about who you are, what you sure, do and yeah. all that jazz?
1: Born and raised in Iran, lived there 10 years, 6 weeks after Khomeini died, I escaped with my family went to Germany, lived at a refugee camp 2 years, came to the states. Uh, in November 28, 1990, and then lived in Glendale, California, six years. Right after that, I joined the Army. I went to the 101st Airborne Division Air Assault. Did that for a few years, then got out, wanted to be a bodybuilder. I was mm. going to be the next Arnold, you know, <laughs> the, the Middle Eastern Arnold. <laughs> Marry a Kennedy, being <laughs> governor, going yeah, yeah, to Hollywood, and yeah. uh, met a girl named jean Pierre. We started dating. She was a broker at Morgan Stanley Dean Wooder. She persuaded me to get into the business. I started working on Morgan Stanley Dean Witter a day before 9-11. Wow. When 9-11 happened, day before was a Monday. That's my first day to the financial industry. Worst day you can get involved in the financial (laughs) industry was my first day. (laughs) And uh, after Morgan Stanley Dean Witter, I went to Transamerica for seven and a half years in October of 2009. Started my own insurance company with 66 agents, and we grew it today to... 10,700 agents in 49 states, that's including cool. Puerto Rico. Mm. De La Jolla is one of my investors, the owner of Houston Dynamo, Agrabil Brenner's is one of my investors, and um, at the same time doing some social media stuff. So that's okay. the story. That's,
0: that's awesome, that's awesome. So you said you're from Iran. Do mm-hmm. you consider yourself Persian or Iranian? It's the same thing. Persian, Iranian, yeah, the same I, thing. I, so. I, I think I read somewhere where some, like some people like, said there's a difference.
1: It, it's not. I mean, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. Persian is like American. You know, um, uh, it's not really a big difference. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But I'm not. Uh, um, you know, I'm not uh, uh, Persian to the point where I'm not. I'm not originally Persian. Like, let me explain to what I mean by this. So, imagine you are a uh, um, um, Mexican who was born in U.S. So you're American, yeah. but you're Mexican. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm Iranian. But I'm, my family's from Alamos. My dad's side's Assyrian from Iraq, and my mother said they're from Russian, mm-hmm. Russia, so they're Armenian and Assyrian, but I'm Iranian. Yeah. So I'm not fully Persian. That's dope, that's dope. Yo, I love this picture behind you. Whose idea was to do that? So it was my idea. I, I, <laughs> I worked on it for five years before. Yeah. I, it was process of elimination on who I wanted in the painting. <laughs> because if you look at the names uh, uh, in the back, most people can't get all of them, by the way, but some people can't get all of them. Yeah. But yeah, it was a process of elimination. Then we, we, I went to the artist, a very similar artist, the uh, same artist that did a painting for Mark Cuban locally here in the American Airlines Center, which you go in, there's a painting there. Yeah. And I commissioned him. I said, listen, man, I want to do this work. And he says, really? I said, yes. He says, that's pretty technical. I said, that's what I want. Mm. And we went back and forth. It uh, cost a pretty penny, but then yeah, finally yeah, a couple yeah, months yeah, later, yeah, he yeah. put it together. Who's the guy in the middle? So that's the Shaviran. Mm. It's the Shaviran. That's, uh, I was born when he was still the shop, Iran. Three months after I was born, he was in exile. Oh, wow. So there's a certain affinity I have to him and what he did. Okay, dope, dope, dope. So, man, I, lo- I love the office. I love
0: the power suit. <laughs> I, love how- I love everything about you. So my question is, like, when you first started your company, why did you decide to start it? And, like,
1: what were some of the, like, initial drives to even create it? So, for me, uh, I always wanted to start a company that I wanted to be a part of. For example, I, you know, my idea was never, like, I, I wasn't coming up saying one day I'm going to start my own thing. That was yeah. never my idea. Yeah. I was coming up uh, uh, knowing how to sell. I learned how to sell. Then I became a very good sales leader developing people who sold. So, I knew how to kind of coach you into selling. You kind of heard me having a conversation with yeah, one yeah, of my yeah, sales yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah person you heard me talk to made $100,000 this month, and yeah. she's one of the people that made 100000 She's not the only one. And uh, so, so that became my specialty. But then the company I was a part of, there was a lady named Susan. Okay. Susan, that company, who was the most annoying person in that company. <laughs> and one day... Like I good annoying or bad annoying? Extremely bad annoying. <laughs> it, was, it, it was three people that, yeah. in that company that were very annoying. Yeah. She was one of them. And But she was corporate. The other two, they're sales leaders. Yeah. I don't mind working with them because at the end, they, they know what they're doing. But she's annoying and she has a lot of control. Mm. And one day I went to their home office and I kind of had a meeting with all their attorneys and everybody was sitting at this boardroom and, you know, we had some conflicts. I told them, bring all your attorneys. And I sat down and I casted my vision on what I felt was a direction we needed to go to because they were mm. positioning themselves too much for the people that had been there from day one, but they weren't creating the opportunity good for the new people. So I wrote a 16-page, uh, uh, what do you want to call it, Jerry Maguire Manifesto <laughs> yeah, type yeah, of yeah, thing yeah, yeah. that, uh, <laughs> you know, obviously a lot of people didn't like. And yeah. I said, these are the nine things I think is uh, wrong with the company, and here's mm. what I would do. Yeah. And uh, originally, <laughs> she never responded because I sent it to her and the executives of the company. Then I sent it to the company, their parent company, immediately everybody responded back. We had a meeting at Irvine and I went through all my points and nothing happened and they empowered her way too much. And I said, you know what? I don't feel good working with a woman like Susan being here playing the manipulative games. If I were to ever run a company, no one would ever be able to do this to the leaders that are building a company. Mm. It's almost like this. Think about it, who creates jobs today? Government employees or entrepreneurs? Entrepreneurs. Who gets to bully who, though? The government employees. Government employees get to bully them. Now, yeah. government people don't make a lot of money. Nope. If they do, if you ever seen a government politician become a decamillionaire, because they did something manipulative inside of it. But they, they don't get fined for insider information. Yeah. But an entrepreneur has to put their life savings on the line. Many times they refinance, and they take their money out of their 401k or their house, and they say, I'm starting my business. I could lose everything. I've yeah. been working 20 years to save this $280,000, but if I start this business... And if it doesn't work, I lose it all. Imagine if the government could bully all these small business owners, how annoying it would be. Mm. Similar feeling. So I said, if I were to ever start a company, I would never create that feeling. So once we started kind of getting deeper and deeper and deeper into doing this, then I said, oh my gosh. Point of no return, September 23rd, I woke up, 3.30 in the morning, told my wife, I said, I'm resigning today. What year was this? This is uh, uh, 2009. Okay. I said, I'm resigning. She says, what do you mean you're resigning? I said, I'm resigning today. And I had just gotten married to her three months prior to that. Oh, wow. Okay. And this the timing's like, whoa, <laughs> okay. This <laughs> <Bad> is timing.
0: <laughs> terrible timing. This is
1: after 08, which is the biggest market crash we've yeah. experienced, minus 38%. And she's like, baby, you sure you want to do this? So she called my dad, she called all my friends that would have influence over yeah. me and they called me, they said, you sure you want to do this? You got to, I said, listen, I'm doing it. I never signed up to just be a millionaire. Money doesn't drive me. I I signed up to make history and leave a legacy behind where if one day my kids are going to look back and say, that freaking dad of ours, he -hmm. was a beast. He never compromised Mm -hmm. certain values that were being pushed around, and we don't get bullied by people. So we started a company. Uh, Exactly five weeks later, I got sued by that company, (laughs) the $400 million company, 400-page lawsuit. They sued Mm. me and six other guys. had to get attorneys. We settled eight months later, and then from there we grew the company to what it is today. wow.
0: Man, I think what you described is a reckless risk. And reckless isn't necessarily bad, right? In which everything in life was probably communicating to you that at this current moment, stay put. But something inside of you in regards to what you desired and your passion and your dreams was telling you, no, I need to jump. But for a lot of people, the external circumstances cripple that voice in their head from making that leap to do what they truly dream. How were you able to, in spite of you know being freshly married, in spite of all the things going on, in spite of the market crashing and all types of stuff, were able to say, in the in these circumstances, I still want to open my own business.
1: Yeah, so I think you have to also know yourself very well yeah. because for me, self-awareness. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But but I'm talking about from a different side. So for example, think about it. How how many like look at let's go through five presidents. Cool. Let's pick five presidents, and you tell me. Which of their styles you relate to the most? Okay, you ready? Just kind of think about it yourself. Cool. And we're talking about you. Okay, Okay, cool. okay. so Reagan used humor mm-hmm. to win people over. Yeah. Okay, humor is what he, he told stories and he used humor. Mm-hmm. John F. Kennedy was very charming, mm-hmm. and he used this context. He had mm-hmm. charisma. He was charming, yeah. good looking, so people kind of saw him and said, "I just like this yeah, guy." Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So Reagan humor, JFK was charm. Yeah. Okay. Clinton uh, uh, seemed like he cared for you. So mm-hmm. He was a good listener. You're like, oh my gosh. You empathetic, know, I kinda, yeah, empathetic is yeah. a good word. Yeah, sympathetic, yeah, okay. Yeah. Trump is a bully. You bully him, he's gonna come at you 100%. Like, yeah. you don't push that guy around, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so far we have what? We have one, two, three, four, four. Yeah. four different presidents, and let's add another one. Okay, and Obama spoke about dreams. Yeah. Okay, so he knew how to get us to- Inspire. Imagine you. if, inspire, okay? Yeah. So you got humor, you got charm mm-hmm. and charisma, you got, I care, sympathetic, empathetic. You got, you're not going to push me around. I'm going to stand up because I'm a man's yeah. man. And you got, listen, what if one day we can dream and we can do this? Yeah. Who do you relate to the most? Inspiring. Okay, so check this out. Yeah. How many people relate to him? Not everybody. Yeah. So how many people relate to Trump? Not everybody. Yeah. How many people relate to Reagan? Not everybody. Yeah. Or, or Clinton or JFK. It's irrelevant. It's finding out which one is you. Mm-hmm. And then if you find your style... Yeah. And if you, f- you can find your style and can position yourself in areas where your style and personality is able to really grow and magnify, then mm-hmm. play offense. So for yeah. a lot of people, sometimes they, uh, they put themselves in positions that are not areas of strength. Mm-hmm. So if you want to do what I do and I say, well, again, you know, I want to go do what this guy did, you better have your core values, principles, vision, purpose, so crystal clear like I had in, you know, 09, because before I was going to do this, Six months prior to that, I had a meeting with a man named George Will, who was an advisor to two different presidents before, and we sat down and we had a conversation at Miramar Hotel. A friend of mine introduced me to a man named Larry Arne and Larry Greenfield and Pat Boone and all these guys. John Voight, you may know John Voight, the actor, father of Angelina Jolie. So I'm with these guys, and I asked him, I said, look, I'm trying to figure out what my next move is, and it can't be just money because money's too easy to make. This is America. What is my next move? Yeah. So they said, why don't you go study why immigrants came to America? Mm. And that's what I did. Post that, that got into my blood and my veins and my bones, and I couldn't help myself. Mm. Once that became real, then from there it was very natural for me to say, look, if I sink, I'm okay. I'm going to swim, but if I lose it all, I'm totally fine with that. So one cannot make that decision that blatantly, that reckless that you may call it. I may not call it reckless, but to you may be reckless. You can't do it if you don't have the clear purpose. If you have it and it's crystal clear and you determine that you're not willing to live your life without this becoming a reality, go do it.
0: Yeah, I love it. And that's that's the point I was getting at. Like, what's reckless to some makes sense to others, right? And so, if you were any animal in the animal kingdom, which animal would you be and why? Depends on who you
1: ask. <laughs> my wife's gonna give a different answer. My exes are gonna give a different answer. My friends are gonna give different answers. My competitors will give you a different answer. I want my the answer that gonna... you, that you, in your heart, in it's, your heart of it's, uh, it's, it's, it's been the same for a long time. Yeah. It's lying. It's I the knew only it. one I relate to. I knew it. Because, you know, <clears throat> uh, uh, I, I have a quote on my wall. My wife bought this painting for me. Yeah. And it's one of my favorite quotes of all time. It says, if a lion could speak, we could not understand him. Mm. One more time. If a lion could speak, we could not understand them. What the guy is trying to say is that lions think in a way that it's very hard for everybody else to comprehend. Mm. To most people, they will say a lion is obsessive, a lion is too this, a lion yeah. is too much, a lion is, oh, this is just, oh, it's too much, too much, give us a break. So, But the lion is not trying to speak everybody's language all the time. Yeah only lions can understand another lion speaking. Mm. So for me, the animal I would relate to the most yeah. would be lions. How did you work under somebody for so long? How did I work? On, I'm actually a very coachable guy, believe it or not. Interesting. I'm very coachable. And so like, let me give you yesterday. Was, but submissive though. I'm very submissive. Okay. Very, Interesting. very loyal, very submissive, very coachable. And, and, and let me explain to what I mean by this. So Our office started a soccer league, Mm -hmm. not a soccer league, we're part of a soccer league. I don't know what the league is called, Mm -hmm. but we're part of a soccer league, okay? So they asked me to participate, okay? And I've never played organized soccer before, but I said, no problem. I like the game. I know how to play a little bit. So I said, okay, let's play. So I got involved. Yeah. There are at least five players on the team that are better than me. Mm-hmm. There's one guy that's the absolute alpha on the mm-hmm. soccer field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he talks, I'm the student, yeah. but he's one of my employees. Mm. And he's not even one of my executives or mm. one of my directors. He's mm. just one of my employees. He's, yeah. a, he's a guy that's an analyst. Yeah. But if he's giving me advice about soccer, I'm the student. Mm. It doesn't matter if I'm a CEO, my wealth, my following, all that stuff's out the door. So I have a lot of understanding, like, listen, every night night when we pray or when I'm talking to my boys, there's a few things I ask them. I say, listen, what are the four things that we do as a family? And they'll say, lead, respect, improve, love. Lead, respect, improve, love. Lead in every situation you're in, improve, because it's the only thing that's going to give you peace of mind. Uh, respect, because everybody has something to teach you. Yeah. Respect. So the respect element is I can always talk to somebody who's better than me in an area. I'm all in. Mm. Tell me what you So i got to trust you. i got to respect you. you got to respect me. The part that I have a challenge with is if you manipulate or play games, I'm your number one enemy. Because mm. those are the two things I don't do well with. I grew up in the streets. Uh, I didn't grow up with money. I've never lived in a house in my entire life. Let me say this one more time. I've never lived in a house my entire life until I bought my house. Mm. I've never, I've always lived in a one-bedroom house or a two-bedroom house. I don't know what it is to have a backyard, I don't know what it is to have a swimming pool, I don't know. I've never even lived in an apartment complex with a swimming pool. Mm. I've never done that. Yeah. So you know how somebody lives in an apartment, you have a local yeah, pool, yeah, yeah, you go, yeah, yeah. I've never had that. I would mm. sneak into the pool, I'd get arrested, the cops would come, they would get us in a local swimming pool that, that we had in our high school. So because i grew up in the streets and i've seen what happened when my parents got a divorce and i grew up in iran and saw the bombing if you don't play games with me you don't try to manipulate i'm your biggest ally what do you want me to do to help you i'm all in but you do that we're gonna have problems together that makes perfect sense so
0: to me it's like in regards to the respect factor once you can once you feel like you can trust the individual once you can feel like they're leading in a positive direction and i think in regards to that that um your employee that you described once they're competent then there's this trust, when, then there's comfort. But, but going back to what you said in regards to um, the, your previous um, boss, when you lost that, when that was gone, that's when it's like, now I'm about to leave. <laughs> so I think that's quite fascinating as well. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So last year we had Gary on the show and one of the points I've always hear that entrepreneurs talk about is perseverance, 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 perseverance. And it's, you know, as you know, there's ups and downs. There's all these difficulties with your companies. But then for a lot of times, for people who are keep on going, there's also people who are delusional, right? There's people who, like, you need to keep going. And there's people where, look, this is tanking and you need to give up. From your personal experience, what would you say is the difference between perseverance and delusion when you're in your company?
1: Delusion meaning you shouldn't have never done it in the first place type of stuff? Delusion,
0: or- like... So in your company, there's gonna be ups and there's gonna mm-hmm. be downs. Some people may not be gifted and they need to quit. Some people, they need to keep on going and it's gonna be a hard season, and you'll bounce back up. How do you tell the difference between someone who's delusional and they shouldn't be doing this and perseverance, that you need to keep going? Yeah,
1: so for me, I, I, I don't saw from out here. I saw from here out. So okay. it's irrelevant what I think because, listen, when, I remember sitting in a room and I'll never, I'll give you a perfect story here. Cool. I sat in a room And I was looking at the speaker in a way and the speaker in the middle of his talk stops and he says, everybody, look at Pat's eyes. I don't know what he's thinking, but something's on his mind. There was 2,000 people in the room and he says, look at this guy's eyes. Mm. No one had any idea what I was thinking about. Mm. Let me tell you what I was thinking about. In my mind, I said, I'm going to kill all you guys. I swear to God. (laughs) Like physically? No, no, not physically. (laughs) Competition-wise. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to kill all of you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I guarantee you you guys are not going to have the pain tolerance that I have. Mm. You're not going to have it. I am willing to take more pain than you. Mm. You want to go? Let's go. And if you beat me, I have so much respect for you. But odds are against you because you're not going to have as much pain as I'm willing to tolerate. So I sat in that moment, right? Now watch this. Say afterwards, I explained that to you, mm-hmm. and I'm just making a hundred grand a year. It's not like I'm killing it. Yeah. I'm just a regular guy. In that room, I'm not even top 100, by the yeah. way, just so you of know course. that. Of course. Okay? Of course. But imagine, like, if I say that to you and you're sitting there like, listen, I'm going to kill everybody in this room, in the business. Mm-hmm. Would you believe me? Right now? No, at that time. Oh, probably 26 years ago. You're dude, you know, what are you yeah. talking? Yeah. But I tell you, I knew. Mm-hmm. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I knew I'm not going to stop. Yeah. Because I would think about my dad, I would think about my mom, I would think about the journey, I would think about my dad's heart attack, me being I, and, and like this, tears mm-hmm. come down. Like you don't even know the fire that puts in my in myself, and you got to realize, this is a guy that was great at partying. I'm the guy that if you partied with me at 20 years old, you got laid, because, <laughs> and I'm not, I'm yeah, not yeah, trying. Yeah. To, we would go, and afterwards, you're going home with somebody, yeah, because everybody would go home together with a group, and we go to a hotel room, and everybody, our entourage. We all had a great time. We ran and we did good. And and women loved us and they wanted to be around us because we were funny. Like when the whole stand-up, all this other stuff, it was a lot of humor, it was a lot of sarcasm, it was a lot of jokes, it was a lot of wittiness. So it was fun to be around us. We knew how to dance, we had good bodies, we had physiques, we were military uniform, all this stuff. But that guy one day saw his dad almost die. And when that happened, it's game over. accidentally I got into the financial industry. So now, who am I to say, I think it's time for you to give up your delusional? I don't know what you're thinking about. Yeah. I don't know what's on your mind. I don't know what's on your heart. I don't know what you think about going to sleep. I don't know what you're obsessed about. I don't know what things happen in your life. We're like, listen, man, you don't understand. This is going to become a reality. Yeah. I'm not in your spirit mm-hmm. to feel it. The only thing I can see is this, because these don't lie, right? When you look at somebody and you play poker, even the greatest poker players yeah. in the world wear glasses. Yeah. Why? Because everybody can tell through this. Yeah. I tell a story. You sit down and you talk to somebody, like I love talking, like every Uber driver, everybody that drives me anywhere, every pilot, every anybody I meet, tell me your story, how'd you get here? Yeah. And these things tell the entire story, right? You say, man, that smile smile looks good, but behind it, I see some pain, man. You know, that certainty looks good, but I see some insecurities there, right? Okay. So whether to continue or whether to give up and quit and move on has to do with how clear you are about your vision, about your purpose and your values and principles. If those things are clear and you have done proper research to know the decision you made isn't winking it, go for it. But if you winged it from the beginning, maybe you got to take a step back. Mm-hmm. And you got to go under somebody else and shadow under someone else. Then prepare yourself for three years later to go out there and do it on your own. I don't know if you're a sports guy or not. Last year, last two years was very obvious Kyrie can went win on his own. Mm-hmm. It's very obvious. Yeah. Everybody realized, listen, yeah. man, you can't. Yeah, yeah. You know, last year was in, I want to go to Boston and run my own team. I don't want to run with LeBron because I know LeBron's going to leave and I don't want to wait for it. Yeah. You made that move. What happened? Now he needs somebody. Yeah. So now he's going under who? Durant. Durant. So he had to learn. You can't be the number one.
0: Mm. Westbrook
1: cannot be the number one. Mm. LeBron can be the number yeah. one. Durant can be the number one. Yeah. Curry can be the number one. Yeah. So everybody has to understand their positioning. And then you're like Pippen. Pippen couldn't win as a number, number one. He has yeah. to win as a number number two. Mm-hmm. So you have to understand your position, and there's nothing wrong with it. i got CFOs in the company right now. They're not a number one. i got a CMO in the company right now, a COO in the company, or a C chief compliance officer. But let me tell you, there's no way in the world our company would grow without the CFO. No exactly. way. I'm not a fool to say, oh, I could do, this. there's no way in the world. So the more you find your positioning of strength and you put yourself there, if the, position, if the solution is you want to make millions, there's so many ways to make millions in America today, mm-hmm. in the world today. Mm-hmm. But you got to make sure you position yourself right. So I don't know if that answers your question no, that's for you. Good. That's but good. I took a different angle for you to think about. No, it. I love that
0: because the point that you, you, you brought up is this idea that once it starts with self-awareness, Right? It starts with self-awareness in regards to knowing your skill sets, knowing your positioning, knowing what what what, what where you fit best. Right, and I love that Kyrie example because, like you said, in sports, some people are number one, some people are number two. And But the thing about it is, it's not bad to be number two if he you win the he championship. He made the winning shot. Yeah. I mean, Kyrie <laughs> yeah, yeah, is yeah, yeah. forever
1: we're going to remember. So it's not like there's anything to be embarrassed of. It's just, listen, you're not number one. You're better number two than a number one. So positioning is critical, yeah. very critical. Yeah, I know. And... But I think that
0: what's going on today is that everyone's obsessed with yes, being number one. It's true. You know, everybody thinks that validation, um, winning, success is only found in being the number one guy. So, therefore, so many people are jettisoning their positioning in order to be sure. number ones. And then eventually businesses are crashing and failing and things not working out the way they want w- it watch to Watch this
1: question I'm going to ask Go you. Go ahead. Who's the best player on Memphis Grizzlies this year? Was a, I don't even know exactly was Mike now, Conley now watch this who's yeah. the best who's the second best player on Milwaukee Bucks Middleton okay, okay Middleton, let me ask you yeah, a different question sure. who's the second best player on Toronto that just won a championship Kyle Lowry Kyle Lowry I'm more football than basketball by the way but, but watch yeah, yeah, even yeah, though yeah, you're yeah. not a basketball guy yeah. you know who the second best player yeah, is yeah, who yeah, is yeah. it
0: for Kyle the, Lowry. Yeah, exactly. So, would
1: you rather be the best player on Memphis Grizzlies who didn't win a championship, yeah. who you and I don't have a clue who it is, yeah. versus you're the second best player on Toronto Raptors who mm. won a championship and your name is Kyle Lowry? Mm. Kyle Lowry, for the rest of his life, will never have to pay for food in Toronto mm. because he brought a championship to the city. Yeah. So, again, everything is positioning and vision. Yeah. Everything is. Listen. Paul Allen didn't start Microsoft. Mm. Balmer, who owns the Clippers, he's worth $40 billion, $39 billion, never started Microsoft. Mm-hmm. He's not the number one guy, mm-hmm. but he's worth $39 billion. Yeah. Being the number three guy at one point, yeah. how did he do it? So it's all positioning, man. If you can figure out a way to position yourself right, whether you're number one, number two, or number three, it's irrelevant. If the long-term vision is to win championships yeah. and championships is when history books write about you. I love So it. what are you really solving for?
0: I love it. So you've met a lot of entrepreneurs, you've analyzed a lot of businesses, you're constantly growing your businesses, you're constantly hiring people and analyzing things. What are some of the telltale signs that you've noticed that define somebody as a number one in a business?
1: Oh, as a number one, yeah. uh, uh, they can't be too sensitive because everything's your fault. Of course. So you, you, you can't be like... Uh, You're a quarterback. Yeah, you, everything's your fault. Yeah. You win, it's the team's uh, team one. You lose, it's, it's fault. your fault. Yeah, so most people don't like that. Like mm-hmm. yesterday, I was sitting down with a guy who was a former <laughs> MLS player and good guy, Chris, and we sat down and he brought another guy and we were talking to him. And I said, listen, editors, guys who make videos, okay, guys who are creative, they design logos or they paint or something like that some of the most sensitive people Mm -hmm. in the world, Yeah, because it's emotional. I took time to paint this. What do you mean you don't like this? Like the guy (laughs) who brought the painting, first time he brought it to me to see it, and he unveiled it, he was shivering, Yeah, because he is worried that I'm going to catch a flaw in his work that he put two months (laughs) in, and I'm like, why'd you do this? I don't like this. It's such a that, you can't be number one with that kind of a mindset. Mm. Because as a business guy, who's the number one guy in the world today? Who's the most powerful guy in the world today? In regards to business? No, period, in the world. Who has the most power Donald today? Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Yeah. Who gets more criticism than him? Nobody. Nobody. Okay. Yeah. You can't be that position and not be able to handle it. Yeah. When's the last time Mike Pence got criticism? Not mm. as much as Trump. Yeah. Do you realize the differentiator between Pence and Trump? Like, yeah. Like, think about, you know, Obama and Biden. Yeah. Everybody loved Biden, Obama got a lot of heat. Biden yeah. was like, hey, it's just Joe, you know, it's Uncle Joe. It's yeah. just Joe. It's just so he was able to get away. Number, and not look at Joe Biden trying to be a president, it's very hard for him. Yeah. He can't like he's having a hard time with it because mm-hmm. he's not a number one. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? So mm-hmm. in today's world, when you look at guys that are number one, they're willing to make decisions and they're okay if it's failure. They're not trying to please everybody. They have a vision that they see and they're able to sell to people regularly because sometimes as a number one you got to constantly sell division guys one day we if you if we listen to each other we're going to win the championship popovich number one we're going to win the champion we can pull this off if we do this and we do that kobe let me take the shot it's okay i miss it i lost i missed it i should have made it mm-hmm. jordan i missed the shot it's on me Pippin played to good games the guys played again but i missed the last shot that mm-hmm. not not everybody can take so if a person has those qualities i think they have what it takes to be a number one and the benefit for somebody to be a number one is even better if that number one is able to shadow somebody else. You've seen the movie, American Gangster, mm-hmm. where Frank Lucas is coming up and that one scene when the movie starts and they're giving away turkeys yeah. to the local community. Mm-hmm. You know which one I'm yeah, talking yeah, about? He's yeah, in the yeah, back yeah, yeah. uh, uh-huh, of you know, the truck and, yeah. they're and they're giving away turkeys mm-hmm. and then they go into the furniture store and his boss has a heart attack in a furniture store. Mm. And then he becomes the big dog. Yeah. He becomes the guy running the show and people couldn't figure out who he was until he wore that fur coat yeah. to the yeah, big yeah. Boxing, the boxing match he went to, to right? Mm-hmm. So. But the benefit he had is here's a guy that had what it took to be a number one, and he was able to shadow a number one for a decade. Mm. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's like, listen, no college degree, MBA, PhD can come close to you shadowing somebody yeah. who's in the game that one day you could replace them. Mm. There's magic to that.
0: No, I love it. So to me, it's, it's like the difference between um, David Carr and Aaron Rodgers. You mm-hmm. know? So, like, you know, David Carr, when the Texans came, he was just thrown into the mix, just had a terrible season, and it really negatively affected his future. But Aaron Rodgers was able to sit under Brett Favre and to learn to, how to be a quarterback. You know, I didn't know Tom Brady was on the Bledsoe
1: for a couple of those years. Phenomenal point. Yeah. Pheno- I'm, a, I'm a Bledsoe guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, most people aren't fans of Bledsoe. Bledsoe, I think, <laughs> still Bledsoe Hulster, was great. He's, he's great. He was sidearm, yeah, and, you know, he was yeah. a Washington State guy. Yeah. He holds the record for the most pass attempts in a game, by the way. I don't know what that <laughs> really means. It doesn't really mean anything. But I a bledsoe fan so yeah you're right he had a chance to watch bledsoe and rogers got a chance to watch uh far but Carr never had anybody Mm. i tell you one thing though Carr's a special cat though Mm. i think if Carr, uh i I don't know if the current system is working for him i think Carr could be somebody that i mean that one season when he changed the game for himself and he had a shot at winning the mvp before you know
0: i'm talking about his brother david in the texans Oh, the one
1: that played for fresno state yeah no yeah the one that played for the texans Remember, there was this. The other, old car. Y- yeah. Yeah. When that, D- Derek, too. Derek, too. But David, especially. Yeah, David, when he came in, everybody thought he was going to be. In- yeah one of the biggest flops yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. him and Gino Torretta. I don't know if you remember Gino Torretta back in the days that's like 27 years ago he played yeah. for Miami as a quarterback he was a, a Heisman winner who couldn't do it in football Yeah, but yeah it's good to work under somebody mm-hmm. and see them especially if you want to be number one
0: yeah no I absolutely love that so I see you you got a lot going on you got you know this convention you have your business in regards to family like that's something that I've seen a lot of entrepreneurs they're they're masters in business but then for some people that have noticed when it comes to family it's tank it tanks but for one thing that I'm hearing about you and energy that I'm getting from you is that family and loyalty is extreme priority for you as well so why do you think so many entrepreneurs or if you believe that struggle with balancing family from their business
1: life first of all it's not easy I mean that that, that for for somebody to kinda try to say oh you know it's very easy look everything comes to the following how big is your vision, mm-hmm. okay? Let me explain. Yesterday, I spent time with 50 elite soldiers in the military. These are not like, like I'm not elite. I was just at the 101st Airborne Division. I'm talking elite of the elite, meaning Green Berets, Special Forces 18 Delta, Navy SEALs, Air Force Pararescue, Marines, you know, Marine Corps, uh, Special Ops, Special Command that they have. And Delta, mm-hmm. and Delta's the elite. Of the elite, elite. There's only 800 Delta members worldwide, and, and I talk to these guys, right? And I'm sitting there speaking to these guys, and you know, we look at them from the outside, and we're kind of like, oh my gosh, this guys, a Navy Seal, three divorces, two mm-hmm. divorces, two divorces, three divorces. I made one joke about most people who are in the Navy SEALs or Delta for 10 years, they've had two divorces. Everybody started laughing <laughs> because they understand it. You're away for a year and a half. You don't see your kid being born. You don't see your wife. Your wife is lonely. How many months can your wife really go without you? It's kind of like, babe, I have, I'm young, I'm vibrant. People yeah. are talking to me, they're looking at me. What do I do? My ex called me. You know, so it's like, oh my gosh, you're such a this. Yeah, dude, it's like you're going to prison. What do you. On? It's a very <laughs> yeah, yeah, technical, yeah, 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 interesting yeah, yeah, yeah. place. And the guy's out there and he's got his own needs and he's doing stuff. So it is not an easy life. Now, but they do it because the vision is I sign up to be the best of the best, mm. to be Navy SEAL. Yeah. I sign up to be the best of the best. I want to be Delta. And that almost is above everything mm. for a period, right? Now, for business, the benefit is the following. Here's a benefit. Go ahead. The benefit is you're not gone for a year and a half. Yeah. The benefit is you're not being deployed. You're not going to any of this stuff. The benefit is you can figure out a way to spend time with your family. For me, um, family means the world to me. My dad, growing up in Iran, he worked six days a week. I saw him once a week mm. for 10 years. And my dad is my best friend in the world, I, there isn't any human being I feel more happier around, and I love my wife and my <laughs> kids, there isn't yeah. anybody yeah. I feel happier around than my dad sitting next to me. Mm. I can't even describe it to people, what it's like. Yeah. But I only saw my dad once a week. Mm-hmm. He worked six days a week. He was running a business called Nivea and Max Factor, makeup back in the days in Iran. And I still saw the guy once a week, and he still found time. And, but Sundays, it was our day, mm-hmm. what do you want to do? He gave us everything. Mm -hmm. Park early in the morning, then we're going to go to church, then we're going to go eat, then we're going to go play, then we're going to go do this. It was all our day. So because he gave me that one day, and I see myself as, look at me today. And I asked my dad one of the questions I asked him seven years ago, six years ago. I said, Dad, let me ask you a question. Do you feel like you ever missed out time with me because you only saw us once a week? He says, no. I said, do you have any guilt? I'm curious because I want to know for myself. (laughs) I'm not asking for him. I'm not like, hey, did you miss me? I want you to... He says, I don't have any guilt. Mm. I said, why not? Just because the one day that I had, it was all your day. Mm. And the other six days I was doing everything I could to give you whatever you wanted, to give you guys a great life. So I don't feel guilty about it. His answer gives me certainty to know that the direction we're going mm-hmm. is a direction of knowing, hey, it's, a, it's still a risk. Mm-hmm. You know, marriage is still a risk. Yeah. You know, a lot of times people are too optimistic about their marriage and it's a hundred percent going to work out. Are you kidding me? People that you thought for sure they're going to be married for the rest of their lives, and boom, problems come up. Yeah. Some people change. Events happen. Marriage, to me, we take it one year at a time. Mm. I told my wife when we got married, I said, I can guarantee you one thing. She said, what? I said, I think we can be married for one year. <laughs> she said, seriously? I said, for sure. So we got married for one year. A year later, I'm like, it's our anniversary. What do you-? I said, I-, I think we can go too. I honestly think we can go too. But this pressure about 30 years for life, mm. it's too much. So we take one year at a time. And every year has given us a different set of challenges. Every year, kids, her dad dying, family issues, my mom issues, her mom issues, her health issues, three kids, moving eight times in 10 years. Wow! It's all a company, startup, law. All of these things are hitting themselves at the same time, but uh, there's respect, there's common values and principles, and there's a uh, love for my kids. And, we have schedules, and we have time we set aside, and Sundays are my kids' day, and that, that's worked for us. Mm-hmm. For everybody else, it's different, but uh, it all depends on how big your vision is. There's a lot of people that have a business, and they want to come home at seven o'clock. That's not this guy. Mm. I'm not that guy. I didn't build a business to come home at six, seven o'clock at night. I'm not aspiring to do that, and I don't feel guilty about it. Like, somebody cannot make me feel guilty about it, because I'm very congruent with the decisions yeah. I'm making and I'm comfortable what with. What time do you come home? <laughs> Last night, 10.30. Yeah. Uh, the night before, 11. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was uh, on the road the last three weeks, four weeks. I don't know. I've been to Modesto, California, Burbank, California, D.C., Virginia, Maryland, Orlando, Puerto Rico, Chicago, Phoenix, Monaco, Vegas. Uh, I mean, that's just my three weeks. Mm-hmm. I'm not even telling you, like, yeah, yeah, 12 yeah. months. Yeah, That's my schedule. Mm. So... My question to you. <laughs> you're thinking, you're like, oh my gosh, do I want to work like that?
0: No, I mean, that's what I, I've been. I've literally been, um, last week we were in Los Angeles, this week we are in Dallas, and I'm flying to New York City, then I'm going to be in Phoenix, then I'm going to be back in LA. And you then know, but you have kids so, yes, or no? No, I don't. Okay, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> that's a little different for you and so right I So want, I want you to tell me when you have three kids, and you're going to say, Pat, I feel guilty, Pat. <laughs> so, honestly, knee-jerk reaction on a scale of 1 to, to 10, how happy are you right now? 10. Why?
1: Today, yeah, 10. Why? Uh, everything's clear. Mm. No dead weight. Oh, by the way, let me explain to you what, what I mean by that. Like, uh-huh. um, I am probably the most fulfilled I've ever been in my life. Mm. N- it's not even close. What was the click?
0: It. What was the click that everything's got Everything's clear. There?
1: Like, everything is clear. Like, to me, everything, I'm, because I'm a math guy, everything, I need a formula for everything. I need things to be clear in my mind. Like, I need to understand Like, you know, Dale Carnegie wrote a book many, many years ago called How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. It's a book people don't talk about. They more talk about his other book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Mm -hmm. But he wrote a book called How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. And his formula was, whatever decision you're getting ready to make, whatever keeps you up at night, go to the worst case scenario. Mm. What's the worst case scenario? And then ask yourself, can you live with the worst case scenario? In every anxiety that I have, that I've gone to worst-case scenario, I'm okay with it. You can live with it. I can live with it. Mm. In every worst-case scenario, I'm like, you know what? Yep, I'm okay with that. I'm comfortable with that part. I'm confident with this part. I'm fulfilled with this part, so I'm good to go. Yeah. So, but that took a while for me to get to this point. Now, let me go back six years ago, because a lot of times you ask this question, and six, seven years ago, 2013, 2012, 13, 14, I had an anxiety attack probably mm. minimum once a week for 18 months straight. Wow. And let me t- when I tell you once a week, I'm talking body bouncing off the ground top of once a week. What I'm talking middle of, of the night at Tuscany, Italy. I'm going to the emergency room, and I'm getting cortisone shots in the mm. middle of the night. I'm talking about, like, legit yeah. anxiety attacks. So, so it, I'm all about reading books on topics. So I bought all these books on anxiety, panic, all this. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And it told me that anytime you're depressed your mind is living in the past. Mm. Anytime you're having too many anxiety attacks or panic attacks, your mind's way too in the future. Mm. You know, calm is today. Now, you look at um, Elon Musk. Elon Musk is way too in the future. That's why he's so nervous all the time. He's so much, oh, my God, artificial intelligence, going to the moon and creating a, you know, civilization on the moon and being able to put the hyperloop. And uh, he wants to do so much. Yeah. So he's always like, if you yeah. ever look at him, he's not yeah. comfortable. He's Very a little. jittery. Because he's so much in the future. He's yeah. so much living in that time. So it's hard to be married to a guy. He married the same girl twice. It's like, <laughs> I don't know, you know, because this is so important to him, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So I read that book. I read those books. And then I read two other books. One is First Rate Madness and the other one is Hypomanic Edge that talked about the personalities of hypomanic, manic, bipolar, ADHD, Asperger, you know, all these other things that you, look autism, you look and say, man, there are some disorders that the genius and the big visionaries have, and there are some challenges that these folks have that are always thinking, and you know what, it's okay to be that way. So, Mm. a big part of the happiness and fulfillment for me is, in 2013, 2014, I got clear. The moment I got clear, I doubled down on my philosophies. And I said, if my philosophies are lo- wrong, I will lose everything. What do you mean by you got clear? What, what, what does that mean? The formula on what I want to do and how I want to get there. Mm. Every formula to me got clear. Mm. Okay. Like imagine right now you want to leave and go to the airport because you got to fly today at four o'clock, hypothetically. Yeah. Right. If you don't know how to get there, you're spazzing out. hmm but if you already know, do you even think about like in the interview, have you been worried about it at all? Thinking about how you're going to get to the airport? Mm-hmm. Because what's the first thing you're going to do? Uber, pick up, you leave, they take you there. Mm-hmm. You don't need to think about what, it. Right? I see
0: what happens. But
1: if you didn't know how to get to the airport mm-hmm. and you didn't know whether you're going to make it past traffic, in the middle of the interview, you're thinking about how to get to the airport. Mm-hmm. That's causing anxiety. Uh, yeah, the, it's moment, the Uncertainty. Exactly. The mm-hmm. moment I figured out how I'm going to get to from point A to point B, I said, you know what? I'm good. Mm. And I'm pretty crystal clear on my next 15 moves. Wow. So I don't have a lot of thinking to do. I'm wow. solid. We're good to go.
0: I love that. Man, that's, that's something that I've noticed with a lot of super people, and I consider you a super person, that a lot of times your greatest strengths also simultaneously become your greatest weaknesses. And what you described was your vision, your drive, your passion, all these great things at one point in your life was crippling you. And in I'm not sure how familiar you are with, with like, like, I mean, you're a big DC guy, I can see, but like what you always find in superheroes is that once you're able to kind of come to peace with this demon, and you finally, cause the demon is what gives you power. It's what, it's what gives you the fuel, but eventually like anything, it has a, has a cost. hundred percent. It has a cost. hundred percent. And what yeah. I've seen from hearing from you, and I see it in your, even your tranquility, cause you got so much going on, but right now you're here in this moment. I see that you've come to peace. And I think that's super amazing because for a lot of hyper driven, hyper successful people, they've never come to that state of peace. So that's really, really encouraging. So in closing, I want to be respectful for your time. There's somebody out there right now who has a dream. They have a vision. They have a path that they want to take in life. But they're, right now, they're afraid. Right now, they're crippled by anxiety or maybe depression. And they don't know or they don't want to take the next step. What is a message that you would share to them in closing to help them take the step towards achieving their
1: dreams? Don't, don't worry. What matters to you may not matter to me. What matters to me may not matter to you. Like, don't uh, uh, overthink that part. I think so many times, like, there are so many social media personalities today that, uh, you know, it's amazing. It, it, anybody who's at the White House, typically a lot of people indirectly pick up their habits. Mm. Let me explain. A lot of people are trying to be Trump today. Mm. Okay? 2 years ago a lot of people were trying to be who? Obama. Obama. Yeah. 8 years ago people were trying to be like Bush. Mm-hmm. Happy go lucky. Yeah. I'm gonna go have a beer and just say, "Hey, yeah. what's up? You know what's going on?" Yeah. Prior to that they were trying to be Clinton. Mm-hmm. Prior to that they're trying to be Bush. Prior to that they're trying to be Reagan. Yeah. We don't know it, but we always are like, "Oh, the guy on TV, we're trying to be like that guy." The char- the, the, char- the the character of the leader influences the culture of the people. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. So Today in social media, there's a lot of characters. Mm. You see a lot of different personalities. You're like, okay, Okay, this guy does this, and that guy does this. What fits your style, Mm. and what drives you? Like, for me, okay, I wanted to show this to you, okay? I love this. This is is my first time ever I'm showing this in a podcast, just so you know. Like, this is not something I've ever shown. (laughs) I brought it here. (laughs) Because I'm getting Matt and Sheena coming and I wanted to show it to them. I said, I may as well show it to this guy. So I have a card collection. Okay. And this is some of the cards that I have here. Now, most people think I'm crazy for some of my card collection that I have. Okay. This is a Will Chamberlain rookie card. Oh, PSA wow. 8. Right. This Good is going to range between 15 to 25 grand. Okay. okay? This is a Mickey Mantle uh, second year, 53 tops. This is probably $13,000 wow. uh, card. Okay. Mickey Mantle. This is a Ted Williams Playball, 1939, probably $35,000, okay, rookie gracious. card, PSA 8. This is a Babe Ruth, Gowdy, uh, uh, 1933, that's the 144 card, PSA 5. I'm going to say probably twenty dollars to $25,000 is okay. what this is going to be. That's a lot of money. This is a Jerry West card, okay, Jerry West oh rookie card, B- BBG. Face of the seven, logo. Face of the logo, you got it. And then I got a couple other weird ones here, okay. This is a Joe DiMaggio card. This is a $30,000 card. It's a, uh, uh, a PSA 8, 1938, Gaudi, number 274. Mm. That's his card, okay, Joe DiMaggio. Joe DiMaggio, 56-game win. you know, hitting streak. Just mm-hmm. He married Marilyn Monroe. Just a whole different story.
0: Yeah. This mm-hmm.
1: is a Babe Ruth card of 1933, Gaudi, card number 149, PSA 8. This is a $130,000 card, okay, $120,000 yeah, $1 $1 card. not touching that card. So then, this is a Wayne Gretzky oh uh, tops. 1979 PSA 10, there's only two of these in the world. This is a $200,000 card, okay? So that's a Gretzky card, okay? And then this right here is a Wayne Gretzky OPG, 1979 PSA 10, there's only two of this. This is a $465,000 card, okay? (laughs) So now watch this. I just showed you about over a million dollars worth of cards, right, give or take, okay. Somebody's watching this, they're gonna say, what is wrong with this guy? Mm. Who cares about these cards? it moves me mm. because it takes me to the 13-year-old guy that was collecting cans mm. at all these trash cans in Glendale, going around to Albertsons, recycling them because I wanted to get a you know, Shaquille O'Neal rookie card, 1992 mm. Stadium Club. Mm. That's what I wanted. Yeah. I wanted a Sergei Fedorov upper deck cred- uh, card that it came out. That's moving me because I go back to the kid. I drive a $406,000 car, Because when I was seven years old in Iran and I went to Shah's museum Mm. with my mom and dad and everything in his house, the pictures were put upside down because his reign, you know, came down. It was over. I saw his collection of Rolls Royce. I said, dad, one day I'm going to buy Rolls Royce. So when I bought the Rolls Royce, it's not to say, hey, look at my Rolls Royce. I I maybe posted three pictures of my Rolls Royce on Instagram. It's not like I, every other day, say Rolls Royce. There's a story behind it. Mm. Everything has to have a story. So the more you can figure out a way to get stories to bring out the best in you. Mm. There's nothing wrong with some of the stuff that moves you. If you like exotics, great, because there's a story. If you like cards, if you like jewelry, if you like stamps, if you like an artwork, a painting, a, 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 a certain thing that reminds you of your parents, your heritage, your blood, something that gets you emotional. Mm-hmm. You have to try to figure out to go from here out. Mm. If you go from out here, it's fake. Yeah. If you go from here out, it's going to get the most out of you, versus you saying, I like what he's doing. I like what she's doing. Mm. I want to be like him. I want to be like this. Start from here. Let other people inspire you, yeah. but always start from here. It always gives you better results.
0: I love it. That self-awareness is so key. Well, Patrick, thank you so much, man. It's just so... Is it Patrick or Pat? Which one? Pat, is, either one yeah, of them is good cool, with me, Cool, cool. So I'm going to call you Pat. Okay. Oh, <laughs> so thank you so much for your time, man. you have really blessed. you have really encouraged. You really inspired me. I hope a lot of the audience were able to gain a lot of the wisdom that I gained from you.
1: Where can they reach out to you at? Instagram, uh, uh, you know, you can go there. You can go to the YouTube channel ValueTainment. If you tap in the word entrepreneur by, on YouTube, probably a third of the videos will be us on page one. You'll find us there. So YouTube or Insta. And which Instagram handle? Patrick Bed David. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. So guys, make
0: sure you reach out to Patrick and let him know what about the podcast stood out to you, encourage you. You know how we get down. We love reaching out to people. Thank you guys so much. My name is Afiz and I'm joined
1: by? Patrick Bed David. And by the way, he oh. has to get back to me when he has three kids. <laughs> a years, so you're on your
0: call 10 years from now.
1: I definitely will. Thank you so much. <laughs> Appreciate you. You, buddy and
0: you guys take care and adios good man you're good at what you do